Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. And last week, we talked about what it meant to finish strong. Pastor Jacob had an, an amazing message on legacy in finishing strong. And he used a giant killer, the greatest giant killer in history. And his name was? Really giant killer, not giant. David, I'm going to help you. Lord, we need some help this morning. We're all, the weather is on our brain right now. I, I see you. It's David. It's King David. I'll help you. It is King David. And he talked about how David in his later season of life needed help from some mighty men, some mighty people to help conquer the new giants that are coming. And he challenged us. Pastor Jacob challenged us that we need to get into a small group. And I was so excited that my wife went to, you know, Miss Michelle's Bible study last Thursday where over 270 women packed this place. Whoop, whoop. I was cheering, okay? And it was amazing. Don't miss out this Thursday. Please don't. Please don't miss out on the opportunity to receive from this house. It is awesome. But not only that, over 300 people got into a small group last Sunday. They signed up. And you can still sign up. You can either go back to the, to the Next Steps area or you can go to osegroups.com. But essentially, we are always better together. And we cannot face giants alone. The new giants that we are going to face, we need others' help. And this morning, we're going to stay with that giant killer theme, and we're going to pick up in David's life in a younger season. He was older when Pastor Jacob spoke about him last week, but in this season, what we're going to talk about, he was a young kid. Now, he was anointed at 13 or 14 years old. This is what you got to know about David. He was anointed as king. Samuel came up to him and said, you're going to be king one day. What many don't realize is that he wasn't king until he was 30. So watch this. 17 years transpired. Watch this. God will give you a vision in your life of where you're supposed to go in the future, but it doesn't mean you go today. Sometimes we have to wait. We have to be refined. We have to be seasoned in order to get to that spot where he wants to make us a king in that area. And so we see David in this moment, in this picture, let me give you a snapshot. Because David just had slayed Goliath. He was invited to, the, to King Saul's house. And as he was there, he would play for him. He was, he was a musician and an artist, you know? He was out there and he was grooving. And so he would play and soothe the king when he got upset. So Saul is there, and all of a sudden Saul, it says the demonic spirit got on him. Saul got jealous of David. Because David, he knew David was going to take over for his son, Jonathan. And so all of a sudden, Saul, who's a daddy figure to David, begins throwing spears at David. And watch this. In one instance, David goes from a hero to a villain. Just like that. In one instance, he goes from a season of victory to a season of, will I even live again? He goes from a, a victorious gladiator to now an enemy of the state. Now, how many of you have had a season where you felt like you went from amazing grace to all hell breaking loose? <laughs> Come on. And how many of you, watch this. How many of you feel like, and I'm still in that season, Pastor Chris. 
this morning, David has something to say about that. Because we've all been in those seasons where it feels like everything is falling apart, where we're just trying to keep our head above water, where it feels like chaos is all around us, where it feels like you have more month than you do money, where it feels like there's now hiring signs everywhere, but obviously nobody wants to hire you, where it feels like your boss and your coworkers are against you. And parents, you know this, in a season where you feel like your kids are acting a fool right now. You feel like they're demon-possessed, and they might be, give us a call, we'll help you. (laughs) But it just feels like everything is falling apart, where friends are turning their back on you, where people are stealing from you, where loved ones are casting you out because you went to a church or you didn't go to church. And all of a sudden, you feel like everything around you is falling apart. I've been in a season like that. I remember when I came out of college and I was an undrafted free agent picked up by the Atlanta Falcons. Okay, don't stone me yet, all right? Let me finish my story. I was picked up by the Falcons and man, it was awesome. I was gonna have my dream of playing in the NFL and all of a sudden, two weeks later, they fire me. They didn't just cut me, they fired me. And now... I go from, man, I'm going to be in my dream. I'm going to do my dream job. This is amazing. To now, I'm living at my mom's house, sleeping on her couch. All right? I'm 23 years old, about to get married, can't provide for my wife, haven't finished college. All right? I I can't seem to get a footing on anything and anyone around me in my life. I was in a season of craziness. And I'll just be very truthful with you guys, all right? I applied to two jobs during that time. One, to the store Buckle. Anybody know that store? (laughs) Come on. (laughs) They turned me down, okay? And the second store was, was Target. They were just too fancy for me, and they rejected me as well. I'm like, I can't even get a job, you know, at, at at a retail store in any respect, And I just felt like nothing. And it felt like an insane season was there. Like I was just trying to weather the storm. Like I was trying to keep from having to blow over because the personal hurricanes just kept attacking. Felt like category four, five, three. It was nothing below a three kept coming. And it felt like the whole time I was getting knocked over. I know many of you are there right now today just feels like personal hurricanes keep attacking, keep coming. And you don't know what to do. Let me tell, give you some hope this morning. Because in today's story, that's where David's life is. He's in a season of chaos. He's in a season of insanity. Everything is breaking loose. And this is where he goes. And this is what he does. And what's interesting about it, before we jump into scripture this morning is that he's running from Saul. And he doesn't just run from Saul. He goes to a temple to get some bread. Listen to me. He can't even go and get food anywhere. He has to go to a temple to go get food. And he goes and gets this sacred bread. And then he goes and gets a sword. He gets Goliath's sword. He didn't have a sword. So watch this. He has to get his enemy's sword and a bread from a temple just to survive. I don't know about you. That's a desperate situation in a desperate season. And so we pick up right here in 1 Samuel chapter 21 in the most insane season that David had to go through. Here's what it said. And then it says, then David arose and he fled from Saul that day and went to Achish, king of Gath. Okay. If you remember from last week, Pastor Jacob talked about this, but Gath was the hometown of the famed giant named Goliath. 
That was the hometown of Goliath. Now you're going, yeah, that, that's cool. That's like me, a New Orleans Saint, running to Atlanta, to the Atlanta Falcons. Come on, now y'all get it now. Now you're going, oh, okay. Think about how desperate David must have been to say, I need to run, so I'm going to run in a direction not where people love me, not where there's safety, but in my greatest enemy's backyard where I just killed their famed giant and everyone wants to hunt me down. Now listen to me. I know so many people that in desperate situations and crazy situations, they run to unhealthy things and unhealthy places. They don't even realize it. They run straight to their enemy's backyard. Why? Because they're so desperate in an insane season. They don't know what else to do. So here David is fleeing to Gath, fleeing to the hometown of Goliath, the giant. And verse 11 says, the servants of Achish, the king, said to him, is this not David, the king of the land? Did they not sing in praise of this one as they danced, saying, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands? That was like him running out, right? That's coming out of the tunnel. And you have pyrotechnics and smoke. It was like, and David, who killed the 10,000. Like, that was like the saying. So everyone knew it everywhere. And verse 12, David took these words to heart. Listen to this. And was greatly afraid of Achish, king of Gath. Verse 13. So fearing for his life, he changed his behavior in their sight. And he acted insanely in their hands. And he scribbled on the doors of the gate. And he drooled on his beard. Pause for a second. How many times do we change our behavior out of fear? How many times have we been so afraid that we decide, let's change our behavior and become more like somebody else, like the world, because I want somebody to accept me or like me? Now, one of the, the best parts about being a pastor is that when I walk around, people don't know that I'm a pastor, okay? And so I was on a plane just the, the, a few months ago, and I'm sitting next to this lady, and she starts chatting it up, and, and I'm just like, oh, hey, how you doing? What's your name? Everything else. And we're just talking about, I'm asking her questions, and she is cursing like a sailor. I mean, she is dropping bombs left and right, and I'm acting like it doesn't even phase me. I'm like, uh-huh, and if you're here this morning, I love you in Jesus' name, okay? And so she's talking it up, and da, da, da. and then she goes on, and I'm just smiling at her. I'm just like, I'm like, this is awesome. This is great. I love it. And then she asks the greatest question. So what do you do for a living? <laughs> and I look at her. I'm telling you. And I go, I just knew this was going to happen. I go, I'm a pastor. She went ghost white. <laughs> ghost white. And she just looked at me. She said, I'm so sorry, pastor. I shouldn't have been. <laughs> and all of a sudden, she felt like I was going to absolve her or something. <laughs> what did she do? She changed her behavior. What we do when fear comes, we change our behavior to try to get out of a situation and into something else. We change our behavior instead of being who God has called us to be no matter where we're at. And listen, I told that lady, I said, I don't want you to apologize to me. I want you to be who God has called you to be. Now, if you get convicted, that, I know that's not who God's called you to be. But if you're convicted, that's not me. That's the Holy Spirit. And listen, David is an insane season acting insane. Here's what happens. And then he says this, then Achish, the king, said to his servants, look, you see, that man is insane. Why have you brought him to me? Do I lack madmen 
that you would bring this one to behave like a madman in my presence? Shall this one come into my house? And then David left Gath and he escaped the cave, to the cave of Adullam. So watch this. David comes out of a crazy season, still into a crazy season, and then acts crazy in the season. <laughs> Some of us can relate. I know I can. And not only that, he, he then escapes that crazy season and goes into a cave. Now, that cave represents fear, depression, anxiety, where you sink so low, you just want to hide from everything and everyone. Now, I, I think it's fair to say that David was losing it in this season. But you know what still God said about him? He's still a man after my own heart. You want to know what I love about David? He makes me feel good about myself. <laughs> This man is acting a fool in front of people and absolutely acting like he wasn't just anointed king years earlier, didn't just kill a giant. And all of a sudden he is acting crazy in this season just to get to the next one. Now, my question to you this morning, how would you respond in an insane season like this? I know what I would do, right? There's three responses to fear. There's freeze, flight, or fight. I don't know if you know that. You either freeze, you either flight, or you fight, right? And if you try to come around a corner on me and scare me, you don't want to do that because I will fight, okay? It's like the home, funniest home videos where that guy is sitting on the porch and it's Halloween and he's like real still and the guy walks up and he walks up and he's like scares him, jumps out in a costume and the dude just rears back and punches him and runs, right? That's me. If you come around a corner, I'm just swinging all day on you, right? Other people, they flee. Other people freeze. And so David in here is fleeing into a cave, into a dark depression, and I know so many people that have been here and still are in this mode. And the question is, what do we do when insane seasons drive us to a place we never were meant to be? When it feels like everything around us is crumbling and all you can do is sink with the weight of the world. I can tell you what I would do I would run to a cave and never come out again. But that's not what David did. You see, David, he was a man after God's own heart. And you want to know what he did? He writes one of the most famous songs in history. He writes and sings through all of the chaos that's around him. And in Psalm 34, this is where we get a beautiful picture of how we respond in crazy seasons. At the, when you read the Psalms, if you pick up your Bible and you begin reading in the Psalms, they're essentially songs that writers have wrote. And it usually tells you, if you go through them, at the beginning of each Psalm, they usually have a description. And that description tells you who wrote it and usually why they wrote it or what situation they were in. And so when we turn to Psalm 34, here's what the beginning says. Psalm 34, and we're going to read it this morning, and this is what we're going to focus on today, is this. Here's what it says. A Psalm of David, when he pretended to be insane before Abimelech, or Achish, so that he drove him out and he went away. So we just set the scene. 
We just set the area that David is in. David, listen to me, is now in a cave and he's having to respond to a crazy season. And here's what he writes. Here's what he sings. Verse number one of Psalm 34 says this, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Now, I don't know about you, I'm not writing those things. (laughs) My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Now, now David's including all of us. Now David's writing, not just thinking about his situation. He's thinking about the people that when he writes this, he's going to be affecting. Let the humble hear and be glad. Verse three, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. For I sought the Lord and he answered me. Listen to this. And he delivered me from all my fears. Now we're going to break this down and then we'll close The first thing that David writes and responds to in a crazy, insane season, he says, I will bless the Lord. He said, I will bless the Lord. Listen, look at me right here. He didn't say, I feel like blessing the Lord. He said, I will bless the Lord. That's huge. He didn't say, man, I'm only going to bless him when it's good. No, no, no. He said, I will bless the Lord. It is a declaration and a statement that he made. Listen to me. He made it, I believe, he made it before he ever got into the cave. That I will bless the Lord. This is just an overflow. I will bless the Lord. There's no option. There's no opinion. It is I will bless the Lord. It's like in my house, dads. When you walk in, the environment, the atmosphere should change. Why? Because when you walk in, there's a commanding presence that what you say should and will go. So when I walk in and my kid's going, do we have to go to church? And I hear, I look at him and say, we will go to church. (laughs) There's no choice. Do I have to brush my teeth? You will brush your teeth. Do I have to go to bed? You will go to bed. There's no option. It is a choice. And listen, we don't have a lot of control over many things in our life. Amen? We don't have control. We know that. No one predicted the pandemic. No one predicted masks and vaccines and and, and, and social distancing. No one predicted any of that. No one was ready for it. It was a crazy season. And it was out of our control. But you know one thing we, we can and always will control? It's our will. It's our will. Watch this. In worship... You might look at your neighbor next to you and go, why are they holding up their hands? That's so weird. <laughs> they don't, may not feel like it, but they're going to will their hands up in worship. It's not a matter of if I should hold my hands up. I'm only going to do it when I feel like it. I'm going to hold my hands up because I need it. I will bless the Lord. I will make his name great. I will, I will, I choose to enter into worship because real worship is not an emotion. It is an act of will. You enter into worship, not by chance, but by choice. By choice, you make a decision to enter in. And where we say, I don't feel like it, you use the willpower to say, I will bless the Lord because he deserves it. Now, when we look at worship and we look at the act of will, one of the greatest people that I see is Abraham. And if you look in Genesis, the first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 20, we're looking at really what Abraham is doing. And Abraham was promised a son and he got a son and his name was Isaac. 
And Isaac was his pride and joy. But then one day God said something to him that was so unique. He said, I want you to go now and I want you to kill your son, sacrifice him for me up on this mountain. Now, my first response isn't, I will bless the Lord. It's, Lord, you are crazy. (laughs) But think about that in a moment. Think about the crazy season that Abraham had where he went from, God, you fulfilled a promise to now you're taking away the promise? What's going on? Are you a God that fulfills all promises? And Abraham, listen to this, takes his son by the hand and he carries a torch and a knife and he gives Isaac the wood, which he's gonna sacrifice him on. He begins leading him up the mountain. Did Abraham wanna sacrifice Isaac? No, it was his choice to do it. He didn't feel like it. He said, I will bless the Lord. And then he gets to a moment. This is Genesis 22. Here's what it says. Abraham says, stay here with the donkeys. And Abraham told the servants, the boy and I will travel a little further. Listen to this. And we will worship there. Now, he knew what worship meant. Worship meant I got to sacrifice that which I love. I don't want to do it. But guess what? I'm choosing to do it because I trust in God. When you're in a crazy, insane season, sometimes we don't feel like lifting our hands. We need to lift our hands in worship. And some of you are standing there in worship and you're standing there at times you're going, I wish I had their faith. I wish I could do that. I wish I could. I'm telling you right now, if you look at me in the front row, I'm holding my hands up. There are times I don't want to hold my hands up. I'm going, no, God, I'm not holding my hands up. I don't feel like it right now. I'm just playing. I'm just pouting. I don't want to. Do you think I want to get up every day and pray? Right? I do just like you. I snooze it about five times before God says, get out of bed. It's not what I want. It's what I will and choose. I will bless the Lord because he is good. And when we are blessed the Lord, it means to be filled with adoration for God. Not I feel adoration, but I am filled with adoration because it's not real worship. Listen to this until it's an act of my will. God will never force you to worship him. It's an act of your will. I will bless the Lord, David said. The second thing he said, he didn't just say, when I feel like it. David said, at all times. I will bless the Lord at all times. Now, can I give you a little Hebrew lesson? Can I do that? Yes, let me give you a little Hebrew lessons, okay? Just stick with me right now, all right? So when you look at Psalms, it was written in Hebrew at the time. And so when we read it, we could read it in the original text. It's Hebrew. And that word all, do you want to know what it means in English? Yeah? This is going to blow your mind. You ready? It means all. It means all. There's no special word. There's no diagnosing it. There's no going, is there a hidden meaning? Did he mean just like only when, you know, things are really good, when I, when I have a job? Is, did he really mean all times? Surely, Pastor Chris, in my situation, God didn't say worship him in this time. I'm sure he didn't mean when I was suffering like this because I know that my God, if he knew I was suffering, he wouldn't want me to do this. But David says, I will bless the Lord at all times. All times, all times, all times, meaning the blessed times, the between times, the barren times, the bad times. I will bless the Lord in insane seasons when nothing makes sense. I will bless the Lord at all times. And can I give you a little clue of what it means to bless the Lord? 
to do it at all times, I found the easiest way to do this for me, listen to me, is just to thank him. My wife and I were walking through an insane season when between our fourth and fifth children, it's weird to say that at times, but between our fourth and fifth child, we had a miscarriage. And many of you who were here a few years ago, you heard me preach that next Sunday on that miscarriage. And it was a stressful time. I remember sitting at the hospital with my wife and she's crying as we hear the news that we just lost a baby. And as we're sitting there with the doctor and she's crying, I don't know what to do. So I grab her hand and I just start praying. And the only thing I could think of in that time, I didn't want to say this. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. When I pray with my kids, the first thing I want to show them is we say thank you, not because God needs it, but because we need it. We need it at all times. At all times, we need it. At all times. And especially in insane seasons, we need to say thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you for the time we got to spend with that person. That when I get up in funerals, I'll always thank God. And people think it's weird. But he deserves to be praised at all times. No matter how crazy the situation or the season is. And David knew that. But he didn't just say, bless the Lord. He didn't just say at all times. He then said, his praise shall continually be in my mouth. I love that. There's a commercial out there that many of you have seen, and at the end of the commercial, they always ask the question, what's in your wallet, right? Well, David's not asking that. We're asking the question, what's in your mouth? <laughs> what's in your mouth? Because if the words you regularly speak, listen to this, are predicting your future, what would your future look like then? I'm gonna say that again. If the words you regularly speak are predicting your future, what would your future look like? Because many people are speaking right now still about pandemic, about COVID, about so many other things. You can hop on any social media aspect and there's regularly speaking about COVID. Let me just say, COVID is a plague, if you don't know. There will be more plagues. I'm not here to scare you. I'm just here to prepare you. There will be more plagues. So you can choose to speak about a plague or you can choose to speak about God's promises. But I'll tell you where what. I'm gonna speak about his promises because I know what my future looks like. And David knew that in insane, crazy, don't make sense seasons, that if I regularly speak of what is in my mouth, of God's praise, of God's goodness, of God's glory, then guess what? It's not all of a sudden it's going to change. It's all of a sudden I'm going to change. And the goal is not for the season to change. The goal is for, the, for us to change in the season. You see, that's what David learned in the cave. He understood when he was on the run, I can't change the season, but I sure can change myself in this season. It's the promise of God. I am going to speak promise. So the question is, what's in your mouth? What's in your mouth? At my house, it's so chaotic with five kids. And I feel like there's always background noise at something. There's always somebody talking, somebody doing something. And at times, very few times, we'll get this peace and quiet, right? Now, for those of you who don't know, I have five children, uh, 10, 8, 6, excuse me, 10, 8, 6, 5, and 2. Continue to pray for me because I don't even know their ages. But 
but it's always shattered. There's always something going on. And in a moment of peace and quiet, I'm telling you, every single time this happens, at a moment of peace and quiet, I'll just hear in this back. I'll hear in the back. Jaira, you are enough. I'll just hear being. I hear the song. Lord, we believe you're good. I'm like, what is that noise? I'm like looking around the house like, is there, is there, a, a, is there a phone that like got pressed on? And I'll go in the back. One of my sons in his bed drawing or something like that, and he's singing. Y'all say, oh, it's kind of annoying at times. <laughs> I just want quiet. And what I realized is this, there's, they're always singing. One of them is always singing. They're always singing. And I'm just like, what are you doing? Stop. It's, it's too much noise. And the, and the Lord rebuked me and he said, don't do that. Because I put a song in their heart and I put a song in their mouth. And don't you dare take that away from them. Don't you dare take that away from them. What's in your mouth? Are you singing a song and you're going, Pastor Chris, I I don't really sing. Well, luckily, God doesn't care how you sing. He cares what you sing. He cares about what you're speaking. He cares about the words that you're using. Why? Because words are powerful. And praise isn't praise until it's spoken out. Praise isn't praise until it's spoken out. Now, you might be saying this. That's easy for you, Pastor Chris. But you don't know the insane, crazy season it is for me right now. That's true. That's true. I don't know. But can I tell you what God is teaching us in our insane seasons through this psalm? Can I tell you that? Because I really want you. And listen up here. If you don't get anything else, please get this. Because the Holy Spirit is about to move and don't miss this. Listen to this. Just because you're in a mess doesn't mean you are a mess. Hold on, I'm gonna say it again because I don't think some of you really believe it. Just because you're in a mess doesn't mean you are a mess. Well, I caused all this. Yeah, you probably did. (laughs) But it still doesn't mean you are a mess. Because we believe in a sovereign, providential God that has called you by name and set you on a path and a purpose and that path might get messy, listen to me, but it's always good and it's always pleasing to him. Just because you're in a mess doesn't mean you are a mess. Just because your situation is bad and your circumstances are bad doesn't mean you are bad. And some of us here are harder on ourselves than we are of anybody else. That when I leave and get off this stage, I'm just, I should have said this. I shouldn't have said this. I said that weird. Did that word come out funny? I'm so critical and I'm so hard on myself. How did I miss that? And I keep criticizing. We need to give ourselves a break. Why? Because just because your situation is a mess doesn't mean you're a mess. Because I will bless the Lord at all times. And his praise shall continually be on my lips and in my mouth. It's not about me. It's about him. And listen to me. Just because your circumstances are insane and crazy doesn't mean you are too. It doesn't mean you are too. How come it feels that way, Pastor Chris? Well, I don't know, but I'm so thankful that feelings aren't facts. (laughs) I'm so sure thankful that the way I feel isn't always what I do. 
that if I'm led by my feelings, it's going to be a hollow, empty life. But when I'm led by the truth of God's word and what he says about me, I can live in promise. I can stand on purpose and I can get through this crazy season. Some of you just need to hear that this morning. You will get through this. You will get through this. Well, how do I get through it? Three things that I'm going to give you and I'm going to close. The first thing is this. We need to do what David did. We need to bless God at all times. We need to bless God at all times. Because real worship never happens until those moments when our circumstances aren't worthy, but God still is. David knew this. David didn't know it at the time when he wrote the 34th Psalm, but I'm telling you right now, he knew he was going to lose something special to him. If you remember, he sinned with Bathsheba, but he had a son out of that. And one of the consequences of sin was that his son would die. God told him it would happen. And so David laid out, he fasted, he prayed, God spare him. And he went in this moment and all of a sudden he's praying, seeking God and his servants come over and tell him, hey David, your son is dead. And David does something next that I believe he remembered in those crazy, insane seasons in that cave. He remembered what he was supposed to do. It's in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 20. Here's what it says. Then David got up from the ground and he washed himself and he put on lotions and changed his clothes and he went to the tabernacle and he did what? He worshiped the Lord. After that, he returned to the palace and he served food and ate. That's not my first thing to do is not to all of a sudden go, I'm just gonna worship you, God. But if you don't program yourself in the good seasons to worship God, in the insane seasons, you'll never worship him. And David is going, I've crossed it again. I've fallen I'm broken. Now the consequence of my sin is on my son. And it said that he got up and he worshiped God. Do you think he felt like it? No, but he said, I'm going to bless God at all times. Even when I don't feel like it. We bless God. We bless God. We bless God. But we don't just bless him. Number two, we boast in God. We boast in God because he deserves it and is worthy. Pastor Joseph alluded to this a little bit earlier. Let me give you a hint on how to boast in God. It's very simple. It's to remember. Some of you guys are still boasting about your high school football days because you remember, okay? But when you remember what God has brought you through, you can boast about him all day long. And the apostle Paul was the greatest at this. He wrote to the church of Corinth and he told them, I want you to remember, listen to this. He wrote to the church of Corinth and he said, remember 
dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Listen to this. Instead, God chose the things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. And God chose things despised by this world, things counted as nothing at all, and he used them to bring nothing what the world considers important. As a result, listen to this, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. For God has united you with Christ Jesus. And for our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. So Christ made us right with God. I'm gonna say that again. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy. He freed us from our sin. Therefore, as the scriptures say, if you wanna boast, boast only about the Lord. You boast in God not about what you have done. You boast in God. You don't sulk in your failure. You boast in God. You don't worry about the outcome. You boast in God. The third thing is this, and here's where we're closing this morning. It's not just bless. It's not just boast. But we need to make God big. We need to magnify him or what I like to call bigify him. We need to bigify him. We need to make him big because crazy insane seasons will come to all of us. The storms and the hurricane idas, the personal storms will come to all of us. But listen to me, just like Peter, I don't get in trouble when I step out the boat. I get in trouble when I take my eyes off of Jesus and onto the storm. That's when I get in trouble. So when we make God big, we keep our focus on him. The Hebrews writer says, looking unto him, the author and finisher of our faith. What does that mean? That means he wrote it and he did it and he's good in it. If I just keep my eyes on him, the insane season may be there, but I'll stay steady through it. For I will bless, I will boast, listen to me, and I will make him big because he's worthy. Some of you might be in such a crazy season. You're going, I I don't even know what to do. One of the craziest times for me that I'll never forget is Pastor Jacob called me and he said, hop in my car, man of God, we're going to the hospital. We got to go pray for somebody. And I said, okay, okay, Pastor. This was a few years ago. I hop in the car. I said, what's, what's going on? He's like, one of our congregants, one of our members, they got in an accident. They were long-standing people, been in the church for a while, great and amazing people. And they only had one son, their only son. They struggled to have kids and he was considered their miracle child. They had him. And he was eight years old at the time and he was with his daddy and they were in the car and they got a car accident. So the mama wasn't there and she rushed to the hospital and we walk into the, into the room, into the hospital room and there, there must have been 10, 15 people there and we walk in and at that moment, they just told the father that his boy died. And then it, it rings in my ears today. He kept screaming, I couldn't save him, pastor. I kept trying. I kept trying. He has a neck brace on. He could barely breathe and keep his eyes open, but he's yelling, I tried to save him. I tried to save him. Pastor Jacob's over there, heard him. I know he's blessed. He's holding his hand. I know, I know. 
it's okay. And I'm almost in the corner in shock. And Pastor Jacob says, Pastor Chris, come here. So I come over to him by him. I'm holding his hand. I put my hand on his heart. And I just start praying. I don't know what to do. I just start praying. And he's screaming. This man is wailing. My boy. My boy. He's screaming. And as I begin praying, the whole room is just mourning, weeping, wailing. And all of a sudden, I have my eyes closed and I'm praying for him. And I hear, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. And I look over, listen to me. I look over, and it was Pastor Jacob singing. And in a room of chaos, all of a sudden, voices started erupting in song. Not because we felt like it, but because God's grace is amazing, no matter what the situation. And I walked out that room different. And I looked at Pastor Jacob and I said, how did you know you you needed to start singing? And he said, never forget this. He said, when chaos is all around and people want to freeze, fight, or flight, just start singing. It'll pull you out of that situation every single time. I will bless the Lord. I will boast in him alone for he is worthy to be praised. There will be a song continually in my mouth, no matter how crazy the season. So Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you. Thank you for this this word that you've given us. You have given it to us, God. You're worthy to be praised. Even in insane seasons, God, you know and you steward our hearts. And we make declarations right now. We will bless the Lord at all times, no matter what's happening. We make that declaration today, Lord, knowing that hurricanes will come, storms of life will happen, God. Struggles will come. It'll be tough to get pregnant. It'll be difficult in marriage, God. It'll be difficult with our kids and in our finances, but we know, Lord, in those personal, insane hurricane seasons, God, you are still good. Because we know nothing passes, Lord, without you seeing it. And you're with us in those seasons. Come Holy Spirit now. Put a song in our heart, Lord. Put it in our mouth. Let it come out this week, even Monday through Saturday. Let supernatural flow of the Holy Spirit come. And renew us, God. Right where we are. And with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, I want to ask you the most important question as we close the service. 
Have you been born again? You can't bless the Lord until you take the first step towards the Lord. And it's to be born again. I didn't ask you if you're a Protestant or a Catholic or have you been baptized or Christian. Those are all great things. But the question is, have you been born again? Because I didn't say it, but Jesus said it. You cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. You won't even see the kingdom of heaven unless you are born again. Well, how do I do that, Pastor Chris? It's as simple as ABC. We just admit we're sinners in need of a savior. B, believe that what Jesus did for you on the cross was enough. And C, we confess him as Lord and savior of our lives. And just like your physical birthday where you were born once, you're only born once spiritually. My spiritual birthday is August of 2001 when the Holy Spirit entered the car, my car when I was 17 years old. And right then and there, I gave my life to Jesus and I was born again. That can be you today. Today can be your spiritual birthday where you can know beyond the shadow of a doubt, not only am I going to heaven, but I know I can have heaven here on earth inside of me no matter what's going on around me. And if that's you here this morning, in just a second, I'm gonna pray a born again prayer. It's not the prayer that saves you. It's your faith, the Bible says, that saves you. And so if you're here this morning going, Pastor Chris, include me in that born again prayer. I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm not gonna ask you to come down front or to do anything crazy. But if you're here this morning on the count of three and you're going, Pastor Chris, include me in that born again prayer that you're gonna pray. I want you to raise your hand. One, God brought you here. Two, he has you here for a reason. It's not an accident and he's calling you home. Three, I want you to raise your hand now. Pastor Chris, include me in that born again prayer. One, two, three. Awesome. Four, I see you. Raise it high. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Thank you. Eleven, twelve. I see you back there. Wonderful. You can put your hands down. One more opportunity, last 10 seconds. If you're here this morning, if you raise your hand once, you don't ever have to do it again. But if that's you, and say, Pastor, I should have raised my hand, I want you to raise it now. Anyone else? Awesome. 12, I see you. Awesome. Wonderful. Thank you. Well, church, with all those hands that were raised, let's do this as a church family. Repeat after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, my guilt and you died for it I believe you faced hell for me so I would not have to go and you rose on the third day to give me a place in heaven a purpose on earth and a relationship with your father today Lord Jesus I turn from my sin to be born again say this with me God is my father Jesus is my savior the Holy Spirit is my helper and heaven is now my home In Jesus' name, amen.